Hello and welcome to the Bible with Me podcast from Precept UK. We are a Christian charity based in Salisbury that equips people to know God deeply so they can live differently, using a wide range of Bible study resources for all ages and levels of understanding. The views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of the ministry, and we would love to encourage you to seek the truth of God's Word for yourself using one of our inductive study books, available at precept.org.uk. Now without further ado, here's Nigel with the latest episode of the Bible with Me podcast. Well, I am really thrilled um, to be welcoming Helen Hender to the Bible and Me podcast today. Helen grew up and was educated in Poole, uh, and after attending stage school in London, she worked for four years as a dancer on board various cruise liners, mainly in the Caribbean. I'm sure that was wonderful. Mm-hmm. On returning to the UK, and for the last 30 years or so, Helen has dedicated her life to helping others. Her work has been varied and fascinating from uh, drug rehabilitation to uh, youth and community work, excuse me, being a team manager at the Connections Advice Service, and more recently as a lecturer at Moreland's uh, Bible College near Christchurch in the south of England. Uh, Helen married in 2006, but uh, sadly divorced in 2018. Helen loves dance, uh, seeing young people grow in their faith, and is a trustee both of a homeless charity and also at her church, which she loves. Uh, Helen, welcome to the programme. Thank you, Nigel. It's great to be here. <laughs> oh, now, you've got something on your fingers. like It's almost like you've broken them or something. What on earth has happened there? Uh, yeah, I'm afraid I had a, a bit of a run-in with a broken sash window last week. Uh, it was a real uh, miracle, actually. I should have lost both those fingers, um, but they are both still on my hand. And amazingly, there's only one, one that's um, very crushed, and the other that has just been badly damaged. So praise the Lord, I have two fingers that will eventually, when I get out of these splints, be working again. But as I say, the angels are working overtime. Oh my goodness me. So no boxing ring for you in the next few weeks. (laughs) Absolutely not. Not even any driving. That's the frustrating part. I can't can't drive. So yeah. Oh my goodness me. Oh my goodness me. Oh, well, I pray that that gets better quickly. Um, Now, Helen, um, how did you come to faith in Jesus? And why do you follow him? Why are you a disciple of Jesus? Oh, okay. Well, do you know, first of all, I've just got to say, it's a real joy to um, share your story. I've been a Christian now for 30 years. And whenever I get the opportunity to share, it's such a such an encouragement when I think of, of who God is and what he's done in my life. And it, I just, yeah, I just bubble over because it's just such a, a joy to share it with people. So it's um, it's a, a, quite a, a long testimony. Um, so I will try and be uh, brief, um, but it's quite an exciting testimony as well. So I was actually brought up um, Roman Catholic. So my father was Catholic and my mum wasn't Catholic, but my mum would take us to, to church and I always remember uh, I believed in God from a very young age, but I believed that he was far away. I knew he lived in the sky, but I also thought he lived upstairs because I had a, a beautiful, beautiful, godly granny. And I know my granny prayed for us every single day. She prayed for her grandchildren. So those praying grannies out there, keep praying. Um, and praying parents, keep praying. Because Granny would pray for us um, every every day, and so I thought Granny, I thought God lived upstairs in Granny's flat because she lived with us upstairs. But I did find out, you know, eventually, obviously, that he didn't live in the flat upstairs. He lived a bit higher than that. So I was brought up Catholic, went to a Catholic school, 
And while I was at a Catholic school, I became best friends with a girl who said she was a born again Christian. And at the time, I didn't quite know what that was, but I knew that her family were very lively and they had a very interesting way about talking about God and about Jesus. And her dad used to always say to me, Helen, do you love Jesus? Helen, do you love Jesus? Jesus is amazing. Do you love Jesus? And I'd be like, well, well, yes, I think I do. You know, I'm Catholic after all, you know, and Catholics, we do love God. And anyway, they were they were very, very vibrant in their their faith. And they invited me along to a, a Christian camp one year with YWAM at a place called Homestead Manor. And I can remember asking my parents if I could go to this Christian camp. And my parents were very wary of these very vibrant Christians and were a bit kind of like, what on earth would you want to go there for? And I thought, well, I don't actually know why I would want to go there. But the reason I wanted to go was because they had a swimming pool and it was in the middle of the summer. And I quite fancied two weeks of swimming. And Natalie said she'd teach me to dive. And I thought, this is wonderful, you know, get to go away on a holiday So eventually managed to persuade my parents because I just said, well, all I'm going to do is swim. And uh, they thought, well, that's probably quite safe. So off we went camping to Homestead Manor. And during that two-week camp, something quite incredible happened. Uh, I don't know whether anybody remembers Keith Green or knows any of Keith Green's music. Do you Have you come across Keith Green? Yeah, yeah. Yes. So Keith Green at that time, it must have been back in the early 70s, I think this was, he was actually killed in a plane crash with two of his children. And he left his wife, Melody, who was pregnant with their third child. And the, 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 the YWAM base where I was and the Christians all knew Keith because Keith and Melody had been to visit Homestead Manor actually that year. He'd been in the May and the camp was in the, in the August. So it was a really raw for a lot of those Christians. And I can just remember um, this kind of sense of something in this camp why were these people talking about death and the why they were talking about death why when this horrific horrible horrendous things happened are they going to have a service to celebrate this man's life I just thought they were weird very weird and I would be walking around the camp and I'd hear people singing Keith's songs how I love you you are the one you are the one and the redeemer there is a redeemer and I thought these people are just weird you know someone's died these people are still like there's a kind of a a a piece about it and a and the way they were talking about it you know he's he's with God he's in heaven and I'm like yeah but he's left his wife behind what is wrong with you people and so I decided that we'd go to this service this celebration service for Keith and I went along and I look back now and I think I know what it was it was the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit literally had just rested on this camp on these people in their grief and with this just in this incredible sense of peace and hope and I, you couldn't be in that atmosphere without feeling that sense of God's presence and so I was just really really moved and Keith's music moved me and the words of his songs and this incredible man who loved Jesus And I remember at the time, um, Natalie's father saying to me, you know, what are you going to do about it, Helen? What are you going to do about it? You know, that's God speaking to your heart. And I said, and I just thought, well, there's nothing else I can do about it, but give God my heart. And so there and, you know, in that camp, I gave Jesus my heart and I went home and oh my goodness, my poor parents. When I came home with my Keith Green tape and I was singing at the top of my voice and I found Jesus, I love Jesus, how I love you, you are the one. Well, bless them. 
they thought I completely got lost my marbles. And you, you are not a born again Christian. You're a Roman Catholic. And, you know, and I can understand now why that was, you know, why they would think that and why they would say that. And so I was kind of, um, you know, told that, uh, you know, you're, you're Catholic. And I wasn't, I was told to go, I could go back to the Catholic church, obviously, but I wasn't really encouraged or, or, or allowed to go and follow this new path, if you like, of, of, of faith that I found. And so it lasted about three weeks, I think, on my own in my room. I would go and I would sit and I would sing Keith's songs and I would, you know, have it in my heart. And I remember at school, we would we joined a band and we would sing in the assemblies and, and tell all our friends about Jesus. But it did, sadly, it didn't last very long. It lasted, you know, as I say, a few weeks and then it would kind of, you know, my faith would come when I would go to school and I'd speak to Natalie, suddenly I'd be a Christian again and then I'd kind of go home and get on with life and then I wouldn't be. And so that was kind of my encounter, my incredible encounter when I was a teenager. And then life carried on. I stopped going to church, uh, any any church after that, went to stage school in London, studied um, performing arts. And my dream was always to be a, a dancer on, on the, the stage. I danced since I was three and I just wanted to dance and I just wanted to work on cruise ships. That's all I ever wanted to do, work on cruise ships and travel the world. So at the age of 19, yeah, 19, I got my got a contract working on a cruise ship and I had fulfilled all my life dreams and I was there and I was having this wonderful life and I was partying and, you know, one of the contracts, so I was on a seven-month contract, I worked 10 hours a week dancing, doing the thing I loved. And the rest of the time, oh my gosh, it was ours to party and have fun and visit the islands. And it, I was living the dream. It was the dream. You know, it just was, was my dream. And I remember feeling, oh my gosh, I've arrived. I've arrived. Life can't get any better than this. I'm so happy. Everything is wonderful. It's just brilliant. But then I can remember thinking, okay, this is brilliant. This is great. But actually, is this it? You know, because this is all I've ever wanted to do. And I can, and, and I look back now and I think, I know it was God very gently knocking on the door of my heart and just telling me there's more. There's, I've got more for you. I want relationship with you. I want you, you know, I want to have a, a, a relationship with you. So anyway, that, that kind of went on. And it, about three years, I think, into three or four years into working on the ships, I had a letter arrive from my mum. And I know I had letters every week. We arrive in Miami and you get your letters and you get your post. And my mum's letters would always be full of what the dog had been doing and what dad had been doing and what she'd fed dad. And the, I, oh, I don't know why. I just remember her telling me about cold sausages in the fridge. Why that sticks in my mind, I have no idea. I should ask her one day. But she'd tell me what she'd eaten or whatever. And it was always very much about what was going on, what was doing, not, not, not much about um, feelings or emotions. We, didn't, we weren't particularly... Um, sharing family in terms of our emotions or our feelings and things like that so so we didn't you know it wasn't we didn't kind of like have that kind of um family dynamic so I get this letter and I remember opening this letter I still got it still got it today and this letter was just strange and I went somewhere quiet to to read it I remember I went and sat under I was working for Cunard at the time and I could see myself sitting under the red Cunard sign sitting down reading this letter and basically this letter said that my mum had um, given her heart to Jesus in her teenage years. 
and she had walked with Jesus for three years. And then something had happened in her life, which had changed her direction. And she had walked away from her faith in Jesus. And she had spent a number of years walking away from him. And he had recently been knocking on her heart and drawing her back to himself. And one of those ways was when I became a Christian um, and I came home from my camp singing about Jesus. She said that she in inside, she longed for me to have that relationship and to grow. But outside, she felt she felt so guilty that she'd walked away from God for so long that she couldn't tell me. She couldn't say she couldn't confess that's what she'd done, encourage me or anything. Isn't that so sad? That, I just, yeah. that, that's really sad. So anyway, but she was writing this letter telling me this and saying, but recently, through a number of different things, one of which was a Cliff Richard concert, praise the Lord for Cliff Richard, was a Cliff Richard concert. God had been knocking on her heart and calling her back to him. And praise God, she had given her heart back to Jesus through a um, an interview with, um, now is it Rabbi? It's a Radio 2 um, rabbi. And uh, anyway, he had done a, a, a talk on the radio and God had just spoken to her heart and drawn her back to himself. And she was walking with the Lord. She'd found a church. She was building her relationship back up with Jesus. And she said, my prayer now is for you, Heli, that, you know, you come back to Jesus. And that's what I'm really praying, that Jesus will, you know, bring you back into relationship with him. I told you it was a long testimony. I hope no one's fallen asleep already. Um, that God would bring me back to, to Jesus as well. And, you know, that day in Miami, as I was up there reading that letter, the only time in the four years I was on the, on the ships, a Christian cruise was starting and 150 Christians got on board. That Saturday, the letter arrived and mum sent me the Keith Green's autobiography uh, that had been written by Melody after his death. And so that we, I, I literally thought, well, this is, a, this is amazing. I read the book and I read it like within a couple of days and I got to the end of the book. And at the end of the book, there's a little bit in there, which says about Keith being in Homestead Manor in the UK in the May when he died in the August. And I can't remember the exact wording in the book, but basically what it says was as he was leaving Homestead Manor, he asked the Lord what he could do to I think it was to bless um, bless Homestead or to bless the work that God's doing in the UK or whatever it was that he said he asked God what do I do and God very clearly said to him look into the field look over there at the field um, there's a um, I want you to go and make a donation for a disused swimming pool uh, for them to refurbish the swimming pool and I read that and I was just like hang on a minute hang on a minute, why did I go to that camp all those years ago? Because I wanted to learn to swim and because they had a swimming pool. And that was the only reason I went. And I read it again and again and again. And God just said to me, yes, I did that for you. And I was just so incredibly amazed. And he then showed me how he had been wooing me all my life to bring me to that point of coming back into relationship with him. And you know, when the King of Kings woos your heart, when he goes, when he puts all those things in place to bring you back to himself, including 150 Christians who that week just showered me with God's love, with a Bible, with Christian tapes, with all sorts of things and just loved me. You know, I just, it was just 
coming back to coming to back to Jesus. And and that was 30 years ago. And I've never looked back since that yeah. day. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Amazing. Amazing. I mean, you know, a praying grandmother. Um yeah, God, God searching you out and, and orchestrating things and, and letters and yeah, amazing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely amazing. What an incredible testimony. Incredible mm-hmm. testimony. So so um how did you go then from being a dancer on the cruise ship to spending a year with uh YWAM, Youth with a Mission, and then getting involved with drug rehabilitation for mums and babies? How did that happen? Well, I think when I when I gave my heart to Jesus on the ship, I stayed on the ship. The rest of this is not as long, by the way. The testimony is the longest part of this of, of, of my answers or any questions, just because I think that's the that's the bit that excites me, you know, excite well, it all excites me, obviously. But um so yeah, so I spent another about another year on the ship. I when I when I came back to Jesus, some things were harder to let go of than others. Let's just put it that way. So I kind of lived my life and God had to do a work in my heart and in my life about things that I had to give up or lay down for him. And people would say to me, Helen, how can you do that? You're a Christian. And I'd say, oh, yes, but God loves me and he loves me so much. He knows what I can and can't do. He knows what I can and can't give up. So, you know, again, I would say to uh, new Christians and to people out there who are ministering to new Christians, you know, it's a process and God is at work in people's lives. And, you know, we shouldn't expect people to, sometimes people do change and sometimes God does do things in our lives overnight. But you know what? It's falling in love with somebody. And when you fall in love with somebody, you long to uh, love that person more and more. And it's then that you compromise or give up the things that perhaps aren't helpful for that relationship. So I spent that year kind of doing that. And one of those things was perhaps recognizing that um, I wanted to spend some quality time finding out who I was in God and wanting to um, just serve him more than I than I was doing. And I remembered YWAM. I remembered Hempstead Manor. I knew they did these things called DTSs, discipleship training schools. So I decided that I would um, lay down my, my lay down my dancing, which was my life. That was who I was. That was my very identity. I'd lay that down for a period of time, and I would, um, you know, go and do this discipleship course. So I went to YWAM, signed up to YWAM. Oh, actually, I was baptized in the in the meantime. I came back to Bournemouth, and I was baptized at Lansdowne Baptist Church by Steve Brady, who I later worked uh, for and with at, at Morelands for many years, and. Uh, Steve baptized me. I must just quickly tell you about my baptism story because it's it's it, it, I was gave my testimony. And at Lansdowne, you get baptized and you stand up and you turn around and the beautiful baptism and you walk out the walk out the back of the church. Well, I was baptized and we had to wear these white gowns and I had a T-shirt on underneath the white gown because obviously that's what you do when you're Christians. You know, you have to be respectable and all the rest of it. So I was baptized in the water, got up, turned around, and as I walked out, the back of my t- back of my T-shirt shone through my baptism gown and it said Costa cruising Italian style and I just thought what a beautiful picture of God's redemption there I've gone down and I've come up a new person and I'm walking out and it's like hey God uses everything it was incredible so I I, so that time went to YWAM YWAM was like being turned inside out Um, YWAM DTS was an incredible time it was like being in a greenhouse of growth um, for, for Jesus he just you know, just worked on my heart, in my life, fell in love with him more. And yeah, I had some incredible teaching, did some incredible outreach. We went to Cardiff, my poor 
uh, school that I was with, they all blamed me because they said I'd come back from the Caribbean and at the school before us went to Thailand and or India or somewhere. And we got when we were so excited, where are we going for our outreach? Because you get to do three months outreach. And when they said Cardiff in Wales, everyone looked at me and went, that's your fault, Helen. God's teaching you a lesson. You've come from the Caribbean. So now you're take, God's to taking Cardiff. you to Cardiff. From the Caribbean, from the Caribbean to Cardiff. Yes. Now, in the, in the early 90s, you spent time working as a social work assistant and then decided to go to Moorlands to do a degree there. Yes. And after that, you worked actually as the youth and community worker for Elim Church in Bournemouth. Uh, and then um, for the Connections Advice and Information Service. Uh, what did you enjoy most about your time working with youth? Um, uh, as a youth and community worker and also in the connection service and what were some of the challenges that you had to deal with yeah okay so um yeah the, i think one of the beauties of of of, of walking the lord and doing the kind of work that we do in terms of voluntary work and working in the church is that it, it opens a lot of doors so although i was a dancer and i didn't really have any other experience when i came back i'd done the year with ywam it opened the doors to be able to work in a different sector so God really, from an early, early time in my, in my walk with him, put a passion for um, working with young people on my heart. And I think that was primarily because I just think, you know, young people, have, young people face so many different issues uh, today and have, have always done. And just that opportunity to get alongside them and see them, um, you know, grow and know who they are, their identity, their worth, and to be released in all of the um, you know, the God-given gifts and abilities that they've got. So I've always had a real passion to see people mature and grow in, in their faith. And the connection service, it was not an easy decision moving from a, a church um, setting and working for a church to working for a, a statutory service. But the CEO, a guy called Andrew Williams, was a, an incredible Christian guy who took over this statutory service. And he had a real vision and a heart to see young people who he felt had been put in boxes under the current education system to be, um, you know, allowed to grow holistically and to, um, yeah, just just to grow in who they were. And he had such a vision that I just wanted to work with this guy, follow this guy and to see what he could achieve. And one of my favourite scriptures is Luke 2.52. And it's a very, very small verse at the end of um, Luke 2 but it's a very, very small verse that contains 30 years of our Lord's life. And it's the yeah. verse that says that he grew in wisdom, stature yeah. and in favour with God and man. And for me, that verse is all about holistic development. It's about growing spiritually, practically and relationally. And I think, you know, for me, that's the very heart of my vision, working with young people and with students at Moorlands as well, in terms of seeing people grow in wisdom, stature, and favour with God and with man. And even though Christians uh, Connections wasn't a Christian service, God's hand was definitely on that service. I mean, I think we employed more Moreland's graduates in Connections than the, you know, as many as the local churches were coming into the Connection service at the time. And God was on the move in, in Connections. And we saw, you know, we saw God do incredible things and provide incredible service for young people that were really on the edge and, um, who other services couldn't work with or who young people wouldn't work with those services. And yeah. I've got the joy today of, of, you know, being still in touch with many young people that came through the service um, yeah. and who, uh, yeah, grew and developed. 
So now, dur during your time at Connection Service, you talk about you got married, and then after leaving uh, the Connection Service, you worked part time as a youth and development worker in Bournemouth for, for about five years, and 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 also since um, the early two thousands. Um, 2010, 2011, you've worked at Moreland's. Uh, tell us about your work at Moreland's and why you love it so much. I mean, you hinted at it already. Yes. So, yeah, I've been, um, I've, well, I've been connected to Moreland's really since I, I studied there. So when I came back from YWAM and I worked for um, the, as a social work assistant, I did that for five years. And then I went to Moreland's and did my degree at Moreland's. And I would say that, you know, taking time out to study God's word if anybody can do it in any form or any way, then as Christians, I just would so highly, highly, highly recommend it. Because, and, and Moreland, I mean, for those of us that live locally, Moreland's is a, a great place. We've got it on our doorstep. And, you know, that we run courses from what we call equipped courses, which are evening, one week, one evening a week, to our three-year degree programme, to a master's programme. So really, you know, whoever you are, wherever you are, there are bite-sized things that you can do to the, to the wider things. But actually taking time out and studying his word and learning how to study his word is just such a, a, a you know, a privilege for us as, as Christians. And so it's a joy to work somewhere where it has a, has a real heart and a passion to equip people to know and live out God's, God's word. And I was, I've been lecturing there over the years when I was in practice but um, been there full time. Well, not I worked substantial um, part time there um, because I I I really I'm a practice. I work on the practice modules, so I'm really about having um, practice based ministry. And you know, my job is to kind of, uh, amongst others, is to try and make sure that what people are learning in the classroom is being applied in their actual practice. And it's all about how is what we're learning shaping and changing and growing us and our ministry so that we can be more effective for furthering um the kingdom of god and furthering our um you know our place in that yeah in, brilliant in god. Fan fantastic absolutely fantastic and i've got some connections with Morelands myself it's a great place and i've done some i did a course many years ago um frank uh, frank cook who's a baptist minister used to go down there and do um called the Southern Baptist Association. Anyway, no, great, great place. And um, yeah, I love what you say about the word of God there. Um, and, you know, you're at Moreland's doing that at Moreland's. And obviously you've got people that are taking time out. I love what you said there about taking time out to study God's word. Um, and, the, and we're going to talk more about the word of God in a minute. But um, yeah, I would just highly um, endorse what you said there about um taking time out but also it needs to be part of what we're doing on an ongoing basis doesn't it taking spending yes. time in the word of god and uh and of course that's what we seek to do as well um with precept um encourage people to learn how to study uh the word of god because we need teaching and we Absolutely. need instruction in that you know if you're going to take up a profession or learn how to do something then you you need people to help you and uh and uh, i've been mightily helped um in that through this ministry and also that my time at Moreland's as well and um, if if one is serious about one's faith and getting to know God, then the first place to go is to study his word. We've got to study his word. And um, a very short, in fact, this afternoon, I have the privilege of talking to David Jackman, uh, who set up the Cornhill training course um, in London as part of the Proclamation Trust. And uh, that's his heart as well. So yes, it's interesting. Absolutely. Now, in, in your spare time, you teach dance. 
uh, and also been a ministry lead at Richmond Holidays, which I have to say, since you sent me your performer, about, I've, I've sort of Googled, and I'm quite interested in going on holiday with them. <laughs> um, have you seen God work um, on these holidays? Okay, so yeah, Richmond Richmond Holidays actually used to be Master Sun. Some people might remember it as Master Sun, um, and they are a just a great way, really, of getting away. They're what do I call them? I call them a holiday, a holiday that keeps on giving, a holiday with a difference as well. Because, I mean, I've been on a few Christian holidays in, 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 in since I've been a Christian, but there's something really incredibly beautiful about being with God's people, and actually being in an environment where there's no there's no stress, there's no pressure. You're all there to, um, you know, to have a holiday, to have a good time. But there's a real sense of uh, God's spirit there and people genuinely wanting to um, get to know each other, wanting to hear about, you know, God's stories in people's lives. And uh, and there's an opportunity for ministry. Um, and, and there's always a ministry lead on all of their, their holidays, uh, which is the kind of the, uh, for me, it's the kind of like the added added extra, added bonus. And I started what I call um, Lilo ministry with Richmond Holidays as well. And um, literally I'll take my Lilo and I'll be out on my Lilo and people will swim up and we'll talk about um, what's going on, talk about what God's doing in their lives and we'll pray. You know, why, why do we think we can only pray in meetings or pray yeah. when we say let's pray? Our lives are a prayer. Our lives are worship. And Richmond Holidays is a real way of being able to worship God. And it's a beautiful, there. I go to Samos, and it's a beautiful hotel right that's, on the beach. That's the holiday I was looking at, a cycling holiday over there. <laughs> oh, well, there's all these water sports. If you're into water sports, there's all these water sports. I have to say, I'm not a water sports. Um, I do I do the kayak, and I have been out on a on a boat. Um, but I, and obviously I'm there to do the ministry, so I don't have all that time to do that, apart from my lilo. Um, but there is there is the opportunity, and I know a lot of people, you know, who, who love sailing and everything do, do go out. But God has been... God has done some incredible things. I must tell you about one thing that happened a couple of years ago when I was there. There was a lady who came who had been praying for a number of years, and I'm talking a lot of years, but you know, a lot of years about the school that her her son was going to, and she really wanted to start a parents' prayer group in this school. And she was praying and asking the Lord, you know, would you bring other people alongside me? And it just never had. It just had never happened. And she came up to me um, halfway through the week, and she said to me, "You'll never guess what God has done." And I'm like, "Okay, tell me." And basically what happened was she'd come on this holiday and two other parents from the same school had come on holiday to Richmond Holidays in the same week, in that week. And the three of them had been just been talking as you do, getting to know people at dinner and all the rest of it. And it turns out these children were all at the same school in this same place, totally independently, had booked this holiday and come away. And they decided that was it. They were starting the prayer group right there on the beach in, in, in the, on the holiday and what's more she'd also been praying this lady was a gp she'd also been praying for somebody to uh, another gp that she could um you know talk to have fellowship with and everything else and one of these other three one of these other parents was a gp so you know and and i've seen god do incredible things um healing and restoring marriages and all sorts of things emotional physical healing through those holidays so i i would really encourage you people might think oh you know why would i go on a christian holiday as opposed to any other holiday and i just think god's at work you know yeah. god he's at work everywhere he's at, wherever yeah. you're on holiday he's at work 
But there's something yeah. very um, special about those holidays and spending that time well, with other Christians. Well, I have looked at it. and I'm, I'm, <laughs> My problem at the moment is, of course, with COVID and, and, you know, you book it and then you find you can't go. And is it, on, the holiday, is it, is it on a list where it's a red or amber or green or, you know, whatever? Yeah, so, but, but the good thing with Richmond are, I'll just say, they are... Um, excellent at so so they they were excellent last year at moving people's money this year they're excellent this year about their okay. um, cancellation policy so okay, you don't have to, to worry know. about losing your money oh, with them <laughs> okay that's good to know now it's not all sunshine and roses as we know um, life um, and you know we all have struggles uh, and in 2018 you you went through a, a divorce which which must have been extremely extremely challenging especially given your you know your your lecturer Morland and your you know your christian leader um how have you coped with that where's god been in that and what keeps you motivated and and i just want to say you know thank you for being prepared to talk about this because it, it can't be it can't mm. be easy but it may well you know help others as you share mm. yeah well yeah i was um actually separated in 2015, uh, divorced in 2018. Um, and I was together with my um, husband. We were married for nine years um, and we were in a relationship for 15 years. And I think what I would say, um, the overall thing is that life doesn't always turn out how we thought it would um, or how we dreamed it would. Um, and where is God when that happens? Well, the, the the initial answer and the first answer is that God's right in the centre of that. He's right in the middle of that with us. When life happens, when circumstances, when we face circumstances that we would rather not face, um, the one thing that we hang on to is the fact that um, God is the same today. He's the same yesterday, today and forever, as we're told in Hebrews 13. He doesn't change dependent on my circumstances. And if he says that he's holding me, and if he says that I can take refuge in him, which we're told in Psalm 37, how precious is your unfailing love, O God, people take refuge in the shadow of your wings, then that is where I spent a lot of time. I spent a lot of time in the shadow of God's God's wings. Um, And I think divorce, uh, divorce is a, a really, really hard and really sad thing. And there's so many different connotations that come with that, as you say. And it's one of those subjects that people always find very difficult to talk about. Nobody, um, you know, nobody obviously wants divorce. And it's always, you know, that there has always been a huge amount of pain involved in, in that. And it's a time when people feel very broken. Um, and I think how we minister to people who are going through separation and divorce is really really important and really key and there are some real lessons and I think having been through it myself I have learned a lot of those lessons firsthand and feel that I have a lot of of empathy with other people who have been through it and um, you know maybe there's people listening who are currently going through um, a difficult time in their marriage or a, a, a broken marriage or separation or or divorce and I guess what I would um, say in that is that we we all have a responsibility in in our relationships, um, and we know that God is a God who um, you know God brings man and woman together. We know that God hates divorce. Malachi tells us that it's you know God hates divorce. 
is it ever right for people to divorce? Well, I believe marriage is a contract between two people vowing before God to honour, to love each other, and as a Christian, to put God first in that marriage. And that takes two people to do that. And when one or other of those don't do that or can't do that for any reason, and there's a whole number of reasons why people can't do that, then marriage causes, um, you know, damage, pain, hurt, devastation. And I equally know that that is never God's intention or desire for his children, and it's never his plan for marriage. So is there ever a time where divorce, where separation and divorce is, um, you know, is, is, is right? Then I would say, yes, actually, I, I believe that there is. Um, but I believe that in that, as Christians, we have a responsibility to um, to ensure that we've done everything that we can in terms of counselling and prayer and seeking advice. But there does come a point where I think two people, if they have done that and they cannot move forward, that actually in order to, because I know that for myself within my marriage, I lost who I was. I never lost who I was in God but I lost who I was and who God created me to be. And, you know, through his amazing grace, I hung on to him through all of it. Um, and since I've separated and divorced, I found who I, who I am again. And that's really, really sad. But I do believe sometimes God says enough is enough. When he sees two of his children hurting and damaging each other to the point where it's not... Um, you know, it, it's not reconcil- reconcil- reconcilable, then actually enough. And I believe God said to me, enough was enough. And I'd lost who he had created me to be. And please hear me in this. I'm not saying that, um, you know, it's an easy thing. I'm not saying that it's something that as Christians, we um, should think is is okay to do. And I'm also saying that we all have responsibility within that. And I have spent a lot of time since my separation and my divorce with the Lord, asking him to show me areas where I contributed to that, areas where I had responsibility in the breakdown of that relationship and asking for forgiveness and for healing. Because one thing that I do see and I do recognise is that when you go through a a, um, separation, a divorce, it is so easy for the weeds of bitterness, anger, resentment unforgiveness to grow and all they do is choke you and if if you feel that you have been crushed anyway that will just completely and utterly bind you and that is never God's will for us so it's that thing about um you know staying close to God and seeking his wisdom and and asking him to show you your heart in it and ask to forgive forgiveness from him and and from your former partner if if that is appropriate um and then you know i think seeking counsel and prayer and uh wisdom of others others and i think as well when you have been through this yourself you are able to relate so much more um to other people that are going through that have been through it and i i belong to a life group and we've got a real mixture in our life group of um it's a it's a, a women's life group and we've got women who are married women who are divorced women who are widowed and but it's a real sense that there's a real sense of um strength we pray for each other we support each other we encourage each other and they've been a real blessing to me and the other thing that i would say as well is 
for me, the key word is authenticity. And I think being a leader, often we expect leaders to be on a battlefield and we never think that they can be hurt. We never think they can be hurt in the battle. And if they are hurt, we often expect them to self-heal in the middle of the battlefield and carry on. And actually what it showed me was that actually none of us are exempt from life's circumstances, whatever they are, and that actually we need to be um, authentic and real with each other. If we're hurting, we need to say we're hurting. If we are struggling, we need to say that we're struggling. And as Christians and as churches, we need to be careful of what our expectations are of other people in the middle of the, the battle. And we need to, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I love what you said there, um, you know, that we're expected to self-heal as leaders and you're in the battle and just get on with it. But actually, um, being a military guy myself um, and having been to a few operational theatres, um, there's a time for rest and recuperation, R&R, right. when they yes. take you out of the battle so that yes. you can regain your strength to go and then go back in the battle so so well listen thank you so much for sharing that and um i think you did it beautifully and graciously as well without going into all this sort of detail um so uh, and i and i pray those of you that are listening can can hear that and and, and <clears throat> you know um we we know biblically actually there are reasons for divorce um, although God hates divorce, uh, we know that there are reasons for divorce in the Bible. So, um, and actually, we've got a, a tremendous course on that if if people are interested in that. So, so thank you so much for sharing that and being so willing to talk about that. I think that will be helpful to a lot of people. There's just one other thing that I wanted to say that mm-hmm. even within our brokenness, you know, we can be an incredible uh, witness to others. Um, 2 Corinthians, the beautiful verse about having treasure in jars of clay. The thing about being in jars of clay is that jars of clay crack. And, you know, when I was was, um, going through my divorce, I had a beautiful picture one day. God just showed me this picture of a cracked vase, but there was the, the light was inside and it was just shining out of the vase. And I just felt him say, if the vase wasn't broken, the light wouldn't be as visible. And, you know, the fact that even in our brokenness, as we hang on to God and as we we stand in him, others see that and, you know, are just, you know, encouraged by the hope that, that we have. And, and lastly, Psalm 30, 34, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and save those, saves those who are crushed in spirit to the point where, you know, that broken vase can be restored. Um, and many of you will know the, 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 I can never say it. What is it? The kin, Kintsukuri vase, you know, the, yes, um, yes, yes, yes. Where, yeah, yeah. where, where a broken vessel is, is yeah. um, the lacquered yeah. gold is put yes. into the cracks and then the vase becomes more precious than it ever was before. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. to me, that's a picture of what happens when we come through broken circumstances in our lives. God uses those things to bring about beauty that is, you know, more beautiful and that's for for everybody who goes through that as well yeah wonderful that is fantastic that is fantastic and we're going to be interviewing patrick regan i think his name is who runs that charity that you're talking about about the broken vases yeah now your dad founded a homeless charity in bournemouth uh many years ago uh he's in his 90s now um (laughs) has been referred to i understand as the angel of bournemouth on occasions um and is still involved um tell us a little bit just a, a little bit about your work with the charity Mm, yeah, I, I have incredible parents. 
Um, both my parents are involved in, in charity work and they are such a role model. But dad is, yeah, he's 93. He retired 30 years ago and he started the first night shelter in Bournemouth. And he has been working with homeless people in Bournemouth since then. And Michael House um, is a, a hostel. And it, well, it's more than hostel. It's actually, it's a, it's a home for people who um, need to or want to rebuild their lives when they've been through life circumstances and, you know, homelessness, um, people are not homeless for no reason. And life circumstances, often um, they are crushed. And just what we were talking about, many people will will go through divorce and emotionally it has such a toll on them. And a lot of our, um, you know, guests come through and they've been through very traumatic life experiences. And Michael House is a place where People can be restored or their lives can be rebuilt, where they're encouraged, supported, advice is given, and they're enabled to gain a greater sense of self-worth and move towards independent life again. So my dad is, he's at 93, he's still on board, he's still a trustee. I serve with him as a, a trustee. I think my parents, my family thought if I joined, you know, a number of years ago, it might help dad to be able to, but do you know what? He will, he will, it, it, it's in his blood and it's, it's who he is. As I say, I've got wonderful parents yeah, absolutely fantastic that is just beautiful um you know a father and daughter and lots of others no doubt involved in the charity working together to help to help people and that's where jesus would be isn't it that's where jesus would be absolutely so now um returning to the word of god of course this this podcast is called the bible and me um after all um why is the word of god important to you okay well, you know, I was thinking about this question and for me, I always say the word of God is the food for my soul. It's the, it's the food. I, I need it for my nourishment. It's, you know, if it, like a, like a plant, when you, when you, I, I love my plants. If I don't water my plants, they wither and then they just die. So for me, the word of God is, is like that. It's food to my, to my soul. And that's the kind of the reading of it, the studying of it the uh, living it because you know the word of god is alive the word of god is living and you know it's it's in everything that we do and everything that we we say so it is our very kind of like of the very food for our, our soul and the kind of blueprint for for how we live and why we live and who we are and our identity and 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 and, and all of those things and 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 the other thing i think you know, why it's why the word of God is important to me is because it's full of God's promises. You know, God promises so many things to us in his word. He promises to strengthen us, to give us peace. He promises that he will never forsake us. He promises that he will use everything in our lives for his good. And, you know, there are so many promises. I often hear people often say to me, oh, God doesn't speak to me. I don't hear him speak to me. I don't hear him. I don't hear his voice. I don't, you know, when you say God said this to you or God speaks to you, I don't hear God speak to you. And I'm like, you, you know, he spoke in his word. There, this is the living word of God. Every word in this book is his living word. This is him speaking to you. He does speak to you. He speaks to you oh, every man. time you pick up your Bible, every time you read his word. And do you know what? His word is full of promises for our lives. And why wouldn't we want promises? Why wouldn't we want to know that he's going to strengthen us, that he's going to give us peace, you know, that he uses every situation that he'll be with us you know so I just yeah it's full of his promises it's full yeah. of his story it's his it's his as, as Alastair said in his, his podcast it's, it's our love story 
You know, it's our love story with our father. Why wouldn't we want the love story in our in our life? Yeah, um, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Well, not only is yeah. it full of those promises, but it also is full of verses like 1 Peter 4, where it says God keeps his promises. And 2 <laughs> Peter 9, that says the Lord is not slow to fulfill those promises. So we know that his promises um you know he's faithful to his promises amen yeah. oh, so so if you're listening and you've never opened a bible i think that's a, a that's a great sort of an encouragement for you to do so absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> because it, it because in, in seriousness i mean we don't know you know that somebody's once said if you're not if you're not in a crisis now you've either been through one or one's around the corner you know uh, and and god has got those promises to hold us in those difficult times we're all going to go through difficult times as you've explained and and where are we going to go who are we going to turn to what are we going to stand on in those difficult times and and god has given us his words so that we can navigate life and its challenges mm. that come upon us you know we're not immune to those things mm. and so uh, and the thing is people will look to all sorts of different places won't they yes but actually god god has given us uh, his guidance um, in his word. So, so I would really encourage you, if you're listening to this, to to get a Bible, get a good translation, and um, get stuck into it. Fantastic. Absolutely. And do you know what? There are so many ways that we can get the word of God, you know, into our, our ourselves. We can, you know, we can read it. We can read it. We, sorry, we can read it. We can watch it. We can listen to it. And just having the word of God playing as you're walking or as you're in the yeah. car or, you know, it, the word of God, it, 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 because it's living, it's always doing what it's intended to do. So it's a, I'm, I'm a great one. I, I especially through this, this um, pandemic, I'm, I take my vitamins, I build myself up and reading the word of God is doing that in it's building us up so that when we face things or when, you know, questions come or whatever, or we need answers, we've got, they're there. Because we have built ourselves up and we have saturated ourselves yeah. in his word. Yeah, yeah. Amen. Amen. And if you can't, you know, Morelands is a brilliant place for doing that. Absolutely. As you explained, you know, lots of different courses, um, uh, making it accessible for people, which, which is great. And, and Precept does the same as well. So that's fantastic. Now, do you, what about a favourite Bible book or character? Oh, OK. So... I've got a couple of favourite characters, surprise, surprise. I think my favourite my favorite characters, I love Joseph. I think Artie Kendall wrote an incredible book called God Meant It For Good. And, you know, I really highly recommend that book. It goes through Joseph's life. You can do it as like a Bible study. Um, and he, he and it talks about all the different times in Joseph's life that he could have, you know, become introspective. He could have just been, oh, no, you know woe is me, I've been put in prison, woe is me, I'm in a ditch, woe is me. I'm And and just his whole way that he responded and reacted to all of those, those situations and the way God took it and used it. I love Joseph. I can't wait to get to heaven and have a chat with Joseph. And the other person, the other person is Esther. I love Esther because I think with Esther, I think she, I see Esther, you know, she was a little girl with dreams. She was a little girl with hopes. She was a little girl with her life probably planned out and her wedding and all the rest of those things that little girls do. And then she was taken from all of that and she was taken into the palace and her whole world came down around her ears. And, you know, Esther's story and how she, um, you know, how she managed that, how she dealt with that. And the beautiful verse, which we quote, very often people quote it without ever knowing that it either comes from the Bible or comes from Esther, 
um, where Esther was told by by, um, Mordecai that she was in this place for such a time as this. And I just think that I love that verse because often we'll be in situations and we'll think, Lord, what is going on? You know, why am I here? Why am I going through this? Why is this happening? And God will often say, you know, keep your eyes on me, not on the situation. Keep your eyes on me because it could be you're right there for such a time as this. And it might not be what we think it's for, but it's for his purposes. And I just I just love that. So, yeah, Joseph and Esther would be my two. (laughs) And what about a verse? Is there a single? I mean, you've mentioned a verse there. Would that be it? Your Esther verse for such a time as this? Or do you have another one? Um. I I love that verse. I love that verse. I love some of the verses I've already mentioned. My ministry perspective verse, I would say, are Luke 2.52. I love Luke 2.52 and and that call for all of us. You know, we're not, we shouldn't just be interested in people's spiritual development either. It's about the whole person, you know, relationally. Um, I love Jeremiah 29.7, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray for it to the Lord because if it, it prospers, you too prosper. That's a whole other um yep. you know a whole yep. other uh, lecture series of, of community <laughs> development community work and on a personal perspective you know i have this treasure in jars of clay is a beautiful beautiful verse but i think psalm 27 is is probably one of my favorites one thing i ask from the lord this only do i seek that i may dwell in the house of the lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the lord and to seek his temple Wow. Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. Now we're, we're coming into land uh, on the podcast. Um, uh, what's next for Helen Hender? <laughs> um, what's next? Okay. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. 1 Corinthians 2, 9. See, the word of God has got an answer for everything. What's that <laughs> verse say? The verse says, the best is yet to come. <laughs> the best is yet to come. Fantastic. And how, how can we pray for you? Oh, thank you. I think uh, wisdom, strength. Um, we Morelands has done an incredible job during this time of uh, supporting and working with students. Our students have been amazing um, out in doing their placements, particularly in, you know, all online has been. We've had a group of students recently who have done what we call a block placement, which is a five-week placement. So they've done a five-week placement online, majority of them, with people they've never met, and they've done this whole five-week placement. They're incredible. They are incredible. So I think from you know, if you're when you're if you're praying, please just pray that we can um, help these students to really get through this year and have get everything that they they need to get and want to get from their course and from 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 um Morelands and from the Lord and and what he's got for them and strength for us as a staff team as we manage the um you know these wonderful waters of of coming out of the covid pandemic or roadmap or I should call it shouldn't I <laughs> <laughs> oh that is that is great well we will do we will do indeed pray that and uh, just um really thank you so much for taking the time out to share your story wonderful wonderful story of um you know twists and turns and being a dancer on a ship in the caribbean and receiving your mum's letter god uses everything he uses everything yeah he really he really does but i sense you know you've got a real heart for the lord and he is your passion and your desire mm. and uh, out of that yeah. flows everything else that you're amen 
Amen. So, so really grateful to you for being involved uh, and being coming on the Bible and Me podcast today. And uh, you know, I pray it blesses those that listen. So, thank you so much. Thank you, Nigel. Thank you. God bless.